For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for being here on this Monday as we kick off a brand new week in Biden's America. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. We're building a real community here, guys, and I'm so glad that you're here with me. Follow me on social media, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and Twitter and Truth Social at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show. Let me know what you're thinking. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com, Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, today I want to deal with the latest on the Trump raid and legal battles, which of course is just the latest witch hunt of Donald Trump. Um, You know, if they had anything on him, they would not have had to raid him. We're going to talk to a former federal prosecutor, John O'Connor, about it all. He is going to join us and he's got a lot to say about it. He's also written a brand new book about Watergate which is fascinating. It's all of a piece, as I always say on this show. Also, the U.S. Open starts today. It is knee-deep in COVID politics and corruption. Did you know that? Probably not. I'm going to bring it to you. Plus, a powerhouse email at the end of the show, which is not to be missed. I promise you. All right. First up, though, the Monica Memo. This story got very little coverage last week because the press always keeps you distracted with all kinds of shiny objects like the Trump raid and affidavit and so much other BS that, of course, we have to deal with. This is part of what they do, right? They throw it out there and then you're forced to deal with it. You can't just ignore the fact that a former president of the United States has been raided by the FBI and then there's a redacted affidavit. By the way, the redactions are the cover-up. Just as the Mueller investigation was the cover-up of the Russia hoax, just like the January 6th committee is the cover-up of the rigged election, just like the fake impeachments were the cover-up for what Joe Biden was doing in Ukraine and what other Democrats were doing in Ukraine. Always look to what they are doing and understand that what they are doing is the cover-up of their own crimes and actions. But of course, you have to deal with it because they put it on your plate and force it on you. But they throw out these shiny objects to keep you distracted so you don't pay attention to stories like this. Last week, Nate Silver, 
who is not exactly a pro-Trump conservative. He's the guy who created the 538 website, which is a political numbers and analysis website. He sold it to Disney because it it blew up uh, many years ago. It just blew up into this huge thing. So he sold it and he's still a part of it. But he's a liberal. He's a Democrat. He makes no bones about that. So he's not exactly one of us. And last week, he came out and claimed that liberal public health elites pressured Pfizer to delay fast-track approval of the COVID-19 vaccine until after the 2020 presidential election in order to deny the election to President Trump. They did not want him to have a political win, which, remember, we know a lot about these shots now, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But back then, there was all of this hype that, oh my goodness, if we can only get a vaccine, because at the time, people understood vaccine to be a traditional vaccine that would stop the virus in its tracks, prevent you from getting it, prevent you from spreading it. So everybody just assumed these vaccines would be exactly that. Man, did we get snowed. Lied to from the very beginning. Anthony I am the science. Fauci knew all along that these so-called vaccines were not vaccines, which is why they had to change the definition of vaccine a million times to suit whatever these shots are, gene therapy. But at the time, everybody assumed that it was going to be like the the be-all and end-all. It was going to be the salvation from this crazy pandemic that was being inflicted upon all of us thanks to China. So nobody wanted Trump to get the political win, right? On the left and and all of our public health institutions are all corrupt. They're all shot through with all of these uh, corrupt actors, whether it's NIH or CDC, the WHO, they're all corrupt. They wanted Trump to go down. So what Nate Silver said last week is that they all turned around and pressured Pfizer, which, by the way, I do not think needed a lot of pressuring its CEO, Albert Borla, is a World Economic Forum great resetter. So I don't think he needed a lot of talking to about this, if you know what I mean. Nate Silver was reacting to this piece uh, put out last week by Politico that cited a Democrat House report. They did their own like little investigation. And that investigation, uh, the report claims that the Trump administration sought to expedite approvals for both vaccines and, quote, unproven treatments for COVID-19. Unproven treatments. We're going to get to that in a moment as well. Silver said, and he puts this out on Twitter, quote, Trump pushed for vaccine approvals too fast is the worst possible critique of the Trump administration's COVID policy, he said. He went on to say that probably saved a lot of lives. If anything, approval should have been faster. In a subsequent tweet, Silver wrote that, quote, liberal public health elites pushed Pfizer to change its original protocols that govern its authorization of vaccines so that the decision would be put off until after Election Day. Silver noted that Pfizer's decision, quote, had the convenient side effect of delaying any vaccine announcement until after the election and that the story, quote, deserves more scrutiny. He also said that most public health officials, quote, tend to be strong Democratic partisans, you think? And that their push for Pfizer to take its time in announcing a vaccine, quote, may have been politically motivated in whole or in part. May have? May have? Come on, he said. Well, I'm poking around this story. The Politico story quotes several public health experts who criticized Pfizer for going too fast in seeking FDA authorization for its vaccine. Six days after the election, Pfizer announced that its COVID vaccine was 90% effective, which we all know now was completely bogus. Pfizer has denied delaying the results for political reasons, but I mean, come on, man. As I mentioned, its CEO, Borla, is a World Economic Forum great resetter. So we have all of this corruption going on into the 2020 election. You add this 
them withholding the announcement about what they called at the time a safe and effective vaccine. They delayed that to try to stick it to Trump. Now you take that and you add it to the FBI leaning on social media to bury the Hunter Biden laptop story, which they knew was true. They had the laptop. They ran all of the forensics on it. They knew the laptop was real. They knew everything on it was true. And they knowingly put out the lie that it was Russian disinformation. You add to that the Mark Zuckerberg $400 million in swing districts and states. You add to that the vote trafficking, which Dinesh D'Souza and True the Vote have exposed. You add to that the mail-in ballot cesspool, and God knows what else. Now Pfizer stonewalling the shot until after the election. All of them, big corporate media, big tech, big pharma, big government in the form of the DOJ and the FBI, they were all working together to deny Trump re-election. This was the real collusion. This is the actual collusion. Not the outrageous lie that Trump was a Russian agent. This, this is the actual collusion. They colluded to rig the election for Joe Biden, period, end of story. It's the greatest election heist in American history. Now, to the point about the shops, they are beginning to set this up to frame Donald Trump for the unbelievable number of vaccine injuries and deaths. They've begun to lay the groundwork to blame him. So you got this Politico article last week with House Democrats saying, Gosh, you know, this was really bad. Trump and his administration rushed the shots without proper research and trials. You've had the CDC apology tour, Dr. Walensky being all mistakes were made. We talked about this and took it apart last week on this program. You've got Tony, I am the science, Fauci retiring. You've got more actual data breaking through. And big tech, which had long suppressed or silenced or deplatformed anybody raising legitimate questions about their safety and efficacy, questioning all the lies that we were being told, standing up to the biggest psychological operation in the history of the world. If you did any of that, you were deplatformed. You were thrown off. Dr. Naomi Wolf uh, suspended from Twitter. You've had people silenced like Robert Kennedy, Peter McCullough, Simone Gold. All of these dissenting doctors were suspended, thrown right off. Now those social media platforms are fine with those questions. No more deplatforming. In fact, YouTube just changed their whole guidelines about any discussion about COVID. They removed a bunch of restrictions quietly last week. So what is going on and why now? I do think that they are going to try to frame Trump for all of the vax injuries and deaths. They have been holding back the data, but now you're slowly starting to see the data come out. Tucker Carlson took it on last week in a phenomenal uh, monologue, which if you didn't see it live, go look at it on YouTube. Go check it out. It was phenomenal. They've been holding back all of the data or at least a lot of it. We have the VARES database, which shows an extraordinary number of of vaccine injuries and deaths. But there's more data that they've been holding back. They've been holding back the data, but now, mark my words, they're going to begin to release it and pin all of the injuries and deaths on Trump. He rushed it. He pressured us. We didn't have enough time to do these trials. The election was coming up. It was all Trump. Watch. I'm telling you this. Watch. People, young, healthy people are dropping dead all over the place, having cardiac arrest, dying in their sleep. Excess deaths around the world are way up between 10 and 20%. That is, you know, in an average year, 
You've got a baseline of deaths. People die of all kinds of things naturally, old age, cancer, heart disease, you name it. So you've got a pretty steady worldwide baseline, and every country runs their own baseline of deaths. Well, last year in 21, excess deaths, meaning deaths non-COVID related that are above and beyond the average baseline for any country or for the world, up 10 to 20%. Well, what changed in 2021? We know these vaccines made their appearance and it was a mass vaccination campaign of the kind we've never seen in the history of the world. So everybody knows what's going on and we're getting close to the time when the powers that be who inflicted all of this on us will come out and say openly, that this is, this is the data, this is what we're finding, heart disease, strokes, uh, heart attacks, you name it, all the stuff that we're seeing that's clearly vaccine-related. People are going to come out and start saying it openly to pin it on Trump. They've accused him of a ton of bogus things, from being Putin's patsy to being an insurrectionist, but Donald Trump, mass murderer, hasn't yet been tried. So if all else fails, January 6th, this document, uh, bogus uh, thing with the documents, if all of this fails, they will do it. Mark my words, they will do it. They tried to frame him as a stooge of Moscow. They did two fake impeachments, framed him for January 6th, now raiding his home, and, and they rigged the entire 2020 election. They're throwing spaghetti at the wall hoping that something sticks to stop Donald Trump from 2024. So if they did all of that, of course they would try to frame him as a mass COVID vax murderer. Of course they would. Nothing is beneath them to stop Donald Trump. Nothing. Make no mistake, their power-hungry madness continues. The U.S. Open starts today. And Serena Williams, this is going to be her last U.S. Open. Then she's going to retire. So everybody wants to see this, right? But the number one male tennis player, Djokovic, can't play for no reason other than power and control. On August 11th, the CDC released new COVID guidance that called for ending the split between the vaccinated and the unvaxxed. They said, look, this this thing has changed. It's evolved. If you get it, the symptoms are generally very mild, unless you're in an extreme group of elderly or immunocompromised. But for the most part, this pandemic is over. That's what they said. And there should be no differentiation between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. That same day, they added a box to the page, their CDC page on COVID, with Biden's proclamation banning unvaccinated visitors to the U.S. that made it look like any day now, the ban would lift and Djokovic could come into the United States and play. Remember, Djokovic wisely said, no vaccine for me. I see so many of my fellow athletes who are dropping on the pitch or dropping on the field, and I don't want any part of this. So my personal medical choice is to not do this. Well, the U.S. still had in place at the time the CDC earlier this month said we're changing the guidelines, still had in place if you are unvaccinated and a foreigner wanting to come into the U.S., you can't. So the word was out, oh, look, the CDC is going to change it. Well, they didn't. They didn't. And on the eve of the player check-in for the U.S. Open last week, that little tag on the CDC website saying, well, we're reviewing this and we're going to come back to you with updated guidance, they removed that yellow box. And no other changes were made. So the ban is still in place. Djokovic could not come in. And Djokovic put out a very uh, sweet and classy tweet about all of this, saying, sadly, he's not able to come to the U.S. I I put out a tweet, and I tagged him, and I said, well, why don't you just come across the southern border? No vax check there. Wide open. Here's the thing, though, guys. Guess what? The U.S. Open is sponsored in part by Moderna. So the COVID politics and the COVID corruption are everywhere. Do you wonder why the CDC then put the brakes on allowing Djokovic in? 
because Moderna is sponsoring the U.S. Open. Moderna is everywhere on every court. Moderna is everywhere. That They're sponsored by Moderna is on every court at the U.S. Open. You'll see it when you tune in to watch Serena or the men play. You'll see Moderna in big, big letters. So, of course, they were going to ban Djokovic from coming in the country. Of course, they were going to listen to Moderna and not the science or common sense to allow Djokovic into play. So they're denying him the shot at another major title because of Moderna and COVID politics. That's how corrupt it all is. You guys, if I've said this once, I've said it a million times. It's never been about the virus and the shots. It's only always been about power and control. Still is. And that's another reason why they're going to continue to leverage this whole mess against Donald Trump. If all else fails, they're going to call him a mass COVID vax murderer. I'm telling you. All right, speaking of corruption, when we come back, I want to talk about how we are turning into a third world country. It's just an unbelievable uh, set of headlines coming out of our nation's cities. We're going to cover that straight up. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. All right, in a couple of minutes, we're going to turn our attention to uh, the Trump raid. We're going to talk to a former federal prosecutor about what is actually going on here uh, and the latest and what is next. Because as I point out, the redactions are the cover-up. Okay, so the DOJ and FBI are corrupt as can be, targeting Trump for the millionth time. And this is just the next exercise in a cover-up. But we will speak to John O'Connor about uh, the latest on this and where we are in all of this and where we're going with it. First, though, you know, America is looking more and more like the third world. If you try to drive through any major city, I mean, of course you're dealing with crime, but you're also just dealing with absolute chaos. All of these cities are run by Democrats uh, who are largely Marxists. And as we all know, Marxists need violent mayhem in order to affect their change. So when people scratch their heads, well, I don't understand. Why is all this going on? Now you know. Listen to this. Drug dealers tried to extort a movie crew trying to shoot a film in Baltimore. Turns out that Port-au-Prince is just 50 minutes from the nation's capital. According to the Baltimore Banner, quote, production of a new limited television series adapted from a Laura Lippman novel abruptly stopped on Friday after drug dealers urging the cast and crew to clear the set on the west side of downtown threatened to shoot someone. This according to Baltimore Police Department spokesperson James Moses. The drug dealers also attempted to extort $50,000 from the crew to stand down, he said, but producers declined to pay. 
The encounter unfolded on the 200 block of Park Avenue, a couple of blocks from the Lexington Market. So, of course, this is what you're going to get as a logical result of the defund the police movement, the bail reform, which basically lets criminals out. It's just a revolving door, and they're they're out back on the street within a couple of hours, roaming free, creating havoc, committing crime. It's a result of lifting qualified immunity for the cops so that they can't police. I heard from a good friend over the weekend um, who was speaking to the New York City police commissioner the, the commissioner was saying that she is tearing her hair out because her force cannot police. They're not allowed to do the job that they were trained to do, which is hold criminals accountable, bring them in, and protect these communities. They're not allowed to do it. So, of course, this is why you're seeing a big hemorrhaging away from these police forces People are, they can't recruit. People are leaving and retiring early in droves. And all of this is by design. George Soros getting these uh, Marxist DAs in place, all of this is by design. Why would you want to join a police force if you're not going to be able to do the job that you have a real passion for? And of course, after George Floyd, you know, who wants to do it? Everybody's got a cell phone. Even if you're doing everything on the up and up, uh, there's someone there recording you and they could make it into a big case. And now your career is ruined. Your life is ruined. You're bankrupted. It's just insane, but it's all by design. Remember the Marxists need the violent mayhem in order to slam into place their remaking of America. So this is not an accident on their part at all. Speaking of the third world, the FBI now is making it way too obvious that it's after its enemies. In the past month, the FBI has raided the home of the leader of the political opposition and charged people who exposed that the current president, quote, inappropriately showered with his daughter. That, of course, is the Ashley Biden diary, which we're going to have to cover on this podcast soon. That is the most disgusting story I think that we've ever heard. Is the president a pedophile? Maybe. Looks like it. On top of incest. And we also learned that the FBI told Facebook to shut down all of its news reports uh, that were floating around on Facebook on Hunter Biden's laptop. So what else are we supposed to call this except the third world? This is not normal unless you're a resident of San Salvador. And even then, that city is probably cleaner than what we've got going on in America. The only positive thing about any of these developments and the depths of the corruption is that it's all being exposed and it's all being made very clear for everyone to see. If you didn't already think that the DOJ was crooked after the Russia hoax probe, you do now. That is unless you're a partisan Marxist or blind. And we know we've got a lot of people that fit that category, right? All right, speaking of the FBI and the Trump raid, when we come back, we're going to talk to former federal prosecutor John O'Connor about that. So you're going to want to sit tight. And I've got an unbelievable email for you, too, at the end of today's show. In the meantime, though, I'd like to take a moment to welcome a brand new sponsor to the Monica Crowley podcast, Worthy. There's a new easy way to get money for all of that diamond jewelry that you are not wearing. It's called Worthy. Worthy is a platform that can get you up to two or three times as much money as a pawn shop or a local jewelry shop will offer you with zero risk. Worthy puts your jewelry in front of a worldwide network of professional buyers, people who will bid against each other for your diamond. And Worthy makes it so easy. Free shipping, free insurance coverage, free professional grading and evaluation, and you are in total control from start to finish. If your price isn't met for your piece, you don't have to sell it and you get it back, no charge. And now for a limited time, you'll get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. All you have to do is register at worthy.com slash Monica. That's worthy.com slash Monica. Get more for your diamond jewelry at worthy.com slash Monica. Worthy, a better way to cash in on that hidden asset hanging out in your jewelry box. We'll be right back. 
Okay, guys, as we know, uh, we're still faced with what President Trump is dealing with in terms of this absurd document dispute, which is a giant setup by the DOJ and FBI. This is just the latest run at an attempt at taking down President Trump. It's just the latest iteration of the witch hunt against him. But, uh, but he still has to deal with it, and we still have to deal with it, because the likelihood of indictment of President Trump, I think, is very high. But I want to turn to a real expert now. John O'Connor is joining us. He is a former federal prosecutor, very experienced trial attorney, and he has done a deep dive into Watergate, So at some point very soon, I'm going to bring John back, not to talk about Donald Trump and what's going on right now, but to do a deep dive into what he has unearthed unearthed about the truth about the Watergate scandal. He is the author of two books, two extraordinary books about Watergate. Called One is called The Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, and Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. Two unbelievable books. So go get them so that you're ready when we bring John back at a later date to talk about all of this. You know what we're gonna what we're gonna peel apart here. John, welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining me. And congratulations on both of these books. Well, thank you, Monica. It's just uh, my pleasure. And once I understood what was happening, I'd represented Mark Felt. And once uh, my face get, got pushed in the dumpster once too often by the post, I smelled a rat and I started researching And 10 years ago, and I've come up with some fantastic stuff. And I'm just stunned as a person who followed Watergate closely, how much I was duped. There's nothing worse than feeling defrauded. And I, 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 I've been defrauded for 40 of the last 50 years. Yes. And most people still defrauded. Yes. Everything we have been told about Watergate has been a lie. Uh, And when you say defrauded, the ultimate victim of all of it was Richard Nixon. And that's not to say he didn't make some mistakes, but he was operating on very limited information and the information he was being told at the time were a pack of lies, which you expose in these unbelievable books. Again, The Mysteries of Watergate and Postgate, Taking Apart the Washington Post. And all of these characters have dined out on this for the last 50 years. John Dean, Carl Bernstein, Bob Woodward, um, all of them, and, and a whole array of them have dined out on this and gotten very rich while Richard Nixon had his reputation destroyed. So I do want to bring you back, uh, John, because obviously I worked with President Nixon. We talked about Watergate extensively. And I want to spend an entire show with you taking apart what you found and the actual facts of that scandal, which are not to be believed. So, guys, I will give you all a heads up when we're going to have John back on that. In the meantime, John, as a former federal prosecutor, I'm sure you've got some incredible insights into this latest iteration of attack against Another president who is an outsider, Donald Trump, like Richard Nixon, wanting to reform the entire corrupt status quo and therefore needed to be destroyed. They continue this uh, march against Donald Trump. And now we've got this document dispute. Um, The raid on Donald Trump in your long time of practicing law as a major trial attorney and so on, former federal prosecutor, have you ever seen a situation, forget about a former president, which we know is unprecedented, but you have you ever seen the uh, FBI execute a 30G man raid on a private residence of someone that was not mm, a mafia don or drug kingpin? Well, first of all, no. <laughs> And secondly, uh, although everyone's talking in the press, of course, in the biased press about the classified documents as if this is what it was really about, uh, what really this whole thing shrouds is the fact that the Justice Department is violating its own guidelines. They're not supposed to act like this by written rule. They're supposed to, as Merrick Garland acknowledged, seek the least intrusive method of getting documents. Now, what? so we have to really remind your viewers as to what this is really about, because people think it's about classified documents. It's not. Uh, by way of history, as the affidavit starts out, they, they sh- are shocked that they get 15 boxes voluntarily from Donald Trump that have some classified documents in it. Every presidential set, set of presidential records 
has some classified documents in it by very nature of that fact. Presidents keep their their documents until Richard Nixon. They own them. And only because of Richard Nixon did the law change, by the way, so they could get the uh, coveted tapes and not let them destroy them. But nonetheless, uh, the president has a right to these documents. He has a right to have access to them. And it's unclear when he's supposed to turn them all over to the archives, uh, at which point they're supposed to give him unfettered access and exclusive access, Monica. He can get those documents and keep them from anyone else looking at them. Now, technically, the government owns them, but he has the right to control them. But in the big picture, here's what happens. He gives 15 boxes back. Oh, the affidavit talks about, oh, there's classified documents throughout here. Yeah, so what? There were. And he gave them back without any uh, quarrel. Then what the affidavit has redacted out is the history of cooperation after that initial 15 boxes in which there's a back and forth, um, some discussion. And then the Trump folks, the Trump lawyers, in I think in and around June, give an envelope full of what they think, and they have determined are the remaining classified documents. They think this thing is solved. Now, anyone who's practiced law knows that when you make a big document production, oftentimes one side has missed a few and the other side, as their eager lawyers go through, say, oh, look at this document. It looks like a document in this sequence is missing. Well, you call the other side and they say, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. And you get your straggling 20 documents. This case was about those straggling 20 documents or 11. I think there are 11 documents that may have multiple pages, but 11 documents is what the final haul was for this ridiculous search. So now. What they got was, at least by the best count, they got 20 boxes, Monica, less than half an inch under my estimate, probably a quarter inch of those documents were, were the classified stragglers that Trump would have given up anyway. Uh, the rest of that, 360 inches, if there are 20 boxes, all involve things that are not classified. That's what this was about. These were documents that Donald Trump had called out. They're presidential records. There's no doubt about it. But there's nothing uh, to hurry or worry about as to those documents. And eventually what happens is the archives takes them back, sorts them out, classifies them, and lets, and lets Trump have unfettered access to them and exclusive access. But what do they do? Why? So why are they doing this? They did this. And when Trump gets those documents, the president cannot see them. Congress cannot see them unless under the statute they have an established need. So therefore, if things work the way they should have, what should have happened was the other side should have said, Trump, we there's some straggling documents. Trump's lawyers give them to us. If they didn't do it, then you go in and do a motion and force subpoena. That's the least intrusive way. That's what you're supposed to do, not a search warrant, but a, a motion enforced subpoena over a few documents. That's all it was, a few documents. So what does this do? By, by, by deal, dealing with this, by getting 360 inches of documents, they now have everything Trump had, and they're able to comb through it with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, whereas under normal circumstances, Trump could keep everybody away from those documents. Now, under normal circumstances, yes, you should probably make accommodations for classified documents, be especially mindful of the need to care for them, although the statute is remarkably unclear as to when he's supposed to return them. There's nothing in there about when he gives them to the archives and where. And can, can I stop you there, John? The no. uh, Presidential yeah. Records Act, my understanding is, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but that a president has up to 12 years to have these documents, to have access to them, because they, they assume presidents are going to write their memoirs, they're going to try to build a presidential library, so that they have up to 12 years to basically do whatever they want with these documents before really having to turn them over. Well, well, it's not turn them over so much, Monica. They technically turn them over to the archives, but then the archives 
gives them. I mean, it's just very technical. So technically, the archives has them and owns them, but then they give them back to the president in some form or fashion, whether at a library or at some location. That's to be worked out informally. And the president has unfettered access for five years, and if he so chooses, 12 years. And that that allows him to keep everyone else from looking at them, including the president and Congress. Now, the president necessarily can say, I have an established need to look at classified documents. Okay, Biden could look at the classified documents, which I say were nothing anyway. And you know how these documents are stale. Yes, yes. Oftentimes overclassified and troop levels in Poland in, in 2016. Come on, give me a break. So, uh, but but the point is, Trump would be able to keep all his stuff away from Biden. And I suspect that knowing Donald Trump, what he did was he did collect Russiagate documents that showed how corrupt this thing was. Yeah. And he also collected documents as to Biden's corruption in Ukraine. I will, I will miss my bet if that's not what he had there. Biden now, because of this, has transparency that the Presidential Records Act does not allow him to have. You just said it, Monica. He can keep these things secret to his breast between him and the archivist for 12 years if he wants to, and at least five. Five is mandatory, whether he wants to or not. Twelve if he wants to. So Biden is now looking at these things. And furthermore, like recent uh, Russiagate things, they're trying to take what is really a a defect on their side, a, a sin, and transform it into Trump's sin. Right, so now right. they're trying to that, lay the blame on them for, for uh, oh, you mishandled classified documents. Now, <laughs> the one thing they're missing, though, is uh, this FBI in, uh, agent who issues the affidavit says, oh, I've been trained in espionage and counterintelligence, and I deal with ne'er-do-wells all the time. Well, I don't think... Uh, other than maybe staying a night at the Holiday Inn Express, that this guy knows anything about the Presidential Records uh, Act, and he clearly doesn't. Uh, now, just the other day, President Biden said, oh, I take the presidential briefing home with me to Delaware. Oh, but I lock it up when I'm not reading it. The point is, if he's taking it to Delaware, according to this affidavit, he's committed a crime. Right. Now, I don't think he's committed a crime because uh, under 18 U.S.C. 1924, the president is not a person who is covered by the act that forbids people from moving classified documents. The president can take classified documents wherever he wants. And Biden basically said that. Right. And that's what Trump did here. He took classified documents before he was out of office and brought them to Mar-a-Lago. So that's not a crime. They'll try to make a crime out of this in some fashion. And you have a 95 percent uh, Democratic uh, registration in D.C., and they'll try to get the venue away from South Florida, where you actually have some good judges, and uh, into D.C. It remains to be seen whether they can get venue in D.C. I think they probably would. And if they can, they can probably get a conviction, um, as happened during Watergate days. Uh, you could convict a ham sandwich if it was a Republican ham sandwich. Well, that that's exactly right. Let me ask you a final question for you, John. Um, President Trump last week uh, made a motion. He filed a motion on Fourth Amendment grounds. And he was talking about how the warrant was overly broad. It was a violation of uh, the particularity and narrowness requirements of the Fourth Amendment. You cannot go, you cannot conduct a search in search of a crime. So that was a violation. And also on the basis of illegal search and seizure. I mean, they took his passports and so on. So it seems to me that he is trying to lay the groundwork for a real constitutional case that could be litigated all the way to the Supreme Court. What's your view on the Fourth Amendment aspect of this? Oh, I, this... <laughs> This warrant is as overbroad as you get. Right. You know, we want classified documents and all the documents in a box that has a classified documents. And oh, by the way, we want the boxes that were nearby in the same room. Uh, that's called being overbroad. Do you want the classified documents or what do you really want? Uh, it's overbroad. It's it's very close to a general warrant. You know, that's why I say this this uh, classified document stuff is just a pretext. There are a few documents straggling. 
And they took advantage of that. They didn't want them back. They wanted to use this to have a general uh, search warrant. Now, it's going to take a while uh, for Trump to get them back. I think he's right, and I think eventually he'll prevail. But meanwhile, Biden has succeeded in preventing Trump from using any of these in the midterms. And who knows, maybe he can stretch this out to 2024. Uh, how, how long it will wend its way through the courts, we don't know. Um, but that's that's going to be the ballgame here. Meanwhile, <laughs> Biden has possession. And everyone is looking through them. He's got his army of, unfortunately, uh, biased uh, lawyers. Everyone who's on these teams of so the FBI and the DOJ are sworn uh, upholders of the progressive faith. You can bet the, your boots mm-hmm. on that one. Yeah, the way they pick these teams. I mean, the way Comey started it out, the way he picked the teams, he got rid of all the good guys and put in his guys. So so I'm afraid that battle is going to be going on. And it's and it's really a shame. And the only thing we can do, I think, is be loud and clear about how terrible this is, because we can't keep letting this happen. We have a two tiered system of justice. And and we, as you and I might talk in later days how it started with Watergate and and with the press giving covering fire for people doing this sort of thing. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, the corruption runs so deep and it's been going on for so long and it only goes one way. It goes against conservatives, populists, Republicans. We know that. But at, to your point, and I make this point constantly on this show, John, a, a healthy republic cannot sustain this. And so therefore, we are no longer a healthy republic, even if we're a republic still at all. Uh, This kind of corruption, two-tier justice system, this is what you get in third world countries, banana republics. And I've said this is actually worse than a banana republic because we actually have a long history of the rule of law and the constitution, whereas banana republics don't. So we know better and we're still going down this road. Uh, John, we've got to leave it there. But like I said, I want to have you back to do an entire show on the deep dive that you have done on Watergate. Everything that we've been told about Watergate has been a lie, just like everything we were told on COVID, the shots, the Russia hoax, the impeachments, January 6th. It's all lies that we are in the middle of the, the biggest psychological operation in the history of the world, and it's been going on for decades. And John's books, go get them because by the time we talk to him again about Watergate, if you read the books, you'll understand what we're talking about. The books are called The Mysteries of Watergate, What Really Happened, and Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. The author is John O'Connor. He's been our guest. He's a former federal prosecutor. John, you've been phenomenal. Thank you so much. Monica, it's great talking to you. Can't wait to talk again. You too. We'll do that soon. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. Take care. Okay, as we kick off our new week, here we go into the email bag. Our email address is Podcast at gmail.com. Ken in Utah writes, Hi, Monica. I love all of your podcasts. I really enjoyed your interview with Kellyanne Conway. She is truly an amazing woman and deserves so much credit for President Trump's 2016 victory. I must say I was rather disappointed at the end of the interview when Kellyanne chose not to discuss the results of the 2020 election. My thinking is that, without getting deeply into the weeds, the following significant points could have been made. Number one, President Trump received nearly 12 million more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016, so how could he lose? Two, on election night in 2020, President Trump was ahead in Pennsylvania by about 700,000 votes when the order was given to stop counting. The next morning, we woke up to hear that Biden had won Pennsylvania. This, of course, is a statistic impossibility. Obviously, over 1 million phony ballots were hauled into the counting center during the night. Three, during the summer of 2020, hundreds of Trump car rallies, truck rallies, and boat rallies were held across the country. The energy enthusiasm for President Trump were overwhelming. Four, with the evidence that has come out of Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin since the election, proof of massive voter fraud is overwhelming. Five, 
There was plenty of evidence of voter fraud right after the election, but the Supreme Court refused to take the cases. This was a tragedy. Six, every night for weeks, we saw Kaylee McEnany on TV holding up a fistful of affidavits signed under penalty of perjury by people who had seen firsthand evidence of serious voter anomalies. Again, it seemed like no one in authority, including Republicans, would listen. Then one of you could have ended that part of the conversation by simply saying, there is no way that President Trump lost that election. Your listeners would have been quite relieved to hear that. I'm with Steve Bannon. We must never stop until we get to the bottom of what actually happened in November 2020. Anyway, I just wanted to make these comments. Otherwise, it was a wonderful interview, and I give her so much credit for all the great work that she did. Speaking of powerful women, I would love for you to interview Representatives Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene on one of your podcasts. All the best. Well, thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate your thoughtful note, and I'm so glad that you enjoyed that interview we did a couple of weeks ago with Kellyanne. Uh, You did send this note before we did Election Integrity Week here, and actually, we have been covering the fraud of the 2020 election extensively with Molly Hemingway and David Bossie and Dinesh D'Souza. And of course, after the Trump raid, I blasted the deep state and the Democrat communists and our own side. Why wouldn't we think that after they framed Trump on the Russia hoax and two fake impeachments and January 6th and this ridiculous documents thing, and after all of that, why wouldn't we think that they would have rigged and stolen the 2020 election to stop Donald Trump? Of course they did. So I hope that you've been listening to this podcast since you email me, Ken, so you can hear how extensively we've been covering this. And yes, I have had those two strong warriors for freedom, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene on this show. I hope you heard that too, Ken. Support them however you can. All right, that's a wrap for me. Thank you so much for being here and for supporting our great sponsors. We appreciate them and we appreciate you. Have a great start to your week, and I will see you right back here on Wednesday with the phenomenal Kathy Lee Gifford. She's going to join me for an extensive interview. It is going to be amazing. We'll see you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.